welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I am joined by actor, comedian, and Instagram star, Johanna James. Welcome to The Divorce Club. Love this. I love, when I saw you were doing this online, I was like, oh, fantastic idea. Um, nobody knows I'm divorced. And, and I don't know that many other divorced people. So, oh, I wanted to join. This is one of the weirdest bits about finding guests for the podcast, though, is it's quite hard to find out if people have been divorced yeah. or not, unless you know them. Because it's not like, there's no like database online of just all the divorced people. So, um it, it has been crazy since I've started, since we released the first series. And then people come out of the woodwork and like, I'm divorced and I never knew you were divorced. Yeah, I've had that once where I was um, like um, another sort of comedian friend of mine. Um, we were on a project and I, I let them know that I was divorced. And he took me to one side and was like, um, me too, but I never speak about it. And I was like, oh my God, dude, me too. So yeah, it's like a little uh, secret we can whip out at parties. And And now publicly on a podcast. I don't really speak about it. I've never fully, fully spoken about it before. So this is kind of my, you're taking my V plates of uh, talking about my divorce. (laughs) Oh, no one's ever said that before. I'm quite excited. Taking my D plates. Um, And I can't even drive. So, um, well, welcome to the Divorce Club. You're so welcome. And I'm glad that you have a space to talk about divorce. I hope it's a nice uh, first taking your D plates experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but how does that feel? Because obviously you don't talk about it a lot when I say to you, you are divorced. I, if I'm honest, I got divorced so long ago that I forget. Um that I am. It, it, it actually, it's often like my friends will will bring it up more than me. They'll be like, "Wait, weren't you? You were married to do what your wedding?" And I'm like, "God, I was. I was. Yeah." And it's a bit mad how a whole massive portion of your life can happen, and then you can kind of fold it in a little box and close it and um, carry on. Because you were quite young when you got divorced. I was very young. I was very. I was young when I got married. I was 18 when I got married. Very young. And 23 when I got divorced, and I'm 30 now. So, yeah. So I guess that is, that's seven years ago for you. So it must seem like a bit of a different life. Oh yeah, completely, completely. And, and when you think about yourself when you're 30 to when you're 18, it's 12 years ago. And at 18, I thought I was so mature and I thought I was like, I was, yeah. Um, you really think you know yourself and I was a kind of a mature 18 year old, but even so that's a very heavy decision to be making. At 18. And so do you think it was your age that came into it with the reason that the marriage didn't work or was it a factor of things? No, absolutely not. And this is the thing. So even though I was very young, the actual age had nothing to do with the breakdown of the divorce, I don't think, because there was um, there was infidelity, there was cheating. I 
reacted I thought very maturely my reaction was okay let's get counseling let's like let's do this um I was really proactive for like keeping the marriage together I was kind of taught that once you're married like that's it you just you just battle on no matter what um which in reflection now I'm like that's maybe not the best advice because not in all circumstances is it best to battle on if you're in a really toxic relationship or something that's quite harmful you don't have to battle on with it and um yeah, I wasn't told that. If it's just making you unhappy yeah. for for years, like uh, both of you, there's no point. Yeah. I think we're, it's really strange because I was brought up Catholic and I think I came from that idea of like, when you're married, that's it. Like you just have to make it work. And if you break up, you're giving up. And and I felt a lot of guilt for giving up, but actually we tried so hard and we were just miserable. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like it's weird. So my experience, so I was 20, when I was 18 when I got married and, um, in, I came from a Christian background, like a liberal Christian. Um, but all my friends, like I was not the first 18 year old to get married in my group of friends. I think I was number three out of, out of my friendship group. And, um, and then every year there was, there was more, and it was kind of the culture of what you did. You'd find a boyfriend and you think, well, we get on well, let's get married. <laughs> like, and, and <laughs> sure. Standard. Great. I mean, we, you know, we get really, we get on really well. It's been five months. Um, but then also you really wanted to, um, sleep together because there was not the culture where you could sleep with your boyfriends. There was no sex before marriage. Uh, one of the really big reasons why I think we got married so young was because we were abstaining from each other. And that definitely played into the factor of like, well, we've been together for two years and we really want to have sex. So if we get married, then everyone will just leave us alone. And then that was part of the whole problem because then when we got married, we discovered that he was a sex addict. And people go, oh, a sex addict, great. That means you must have had loads of sex. I'm like, no, actually it means we had no sex whatsoever because one of the the problems of sex addiction is that it destroys intimacy So you can't have sex with people that you truly are in love with or have feelings for. It kind of damages, it really damages all the, I mean, I don't know the science of it, but I know enough about it that it's not, um, it's not as simple as a sex addict means that you want more sex. That's just someone with a high libido. Wow. So what a a first sexual experience for you to be, you know, you're a virgin, you get married because that's the way you've been brought up. Then you want to have sex with this boyfriend that you love and you discover that he's a sex addict and he doesn't want to have sex with you because there's too much emotion yeah so um well technically I actually I wasn't um a total virgin I had had a one previous boyfriend to him when I was about 16 and um I had maybe a couple of times on my hand I could count the amount of times that we'd fumbled around um but I was like pretty much I I didn't really have any sexual history and yeah and and again because I had this whole religious thing I never really enjoyed it it was always like a quick like oh I feel really bad now and and yeah it was a big it was a big psychological thing um and and then I got married and thought oh great this is the space in, in which I can actually have sex and then I got there and then me and my husband we we rarely ever had sex I mean ever it was, and, and, and I couldn't work out what was wrong. And I remember I started university the same year that I got married. So I actually missed my uni um, induction because I was on my honeymoon <laughs> and then like rolled into uni. Like, sorry. With a tan, like, hey, I'm married. <laughs> like, hey, yeah, um, I'm married. And it completely changed my uni experience being married because I was so desperate to try and like fix and solve this like failing relationship that I really didn't spend much time in uni I'd get in for my class and I'd get out and I didn't have the social life that would come with it yeah because I lost my virginity at uni (gasps) I was a late bloomer I'd I'd done lots of the fumbling I was all about the fumbling and the oral sex yes and then I hadn't had sex with anyone and and I had sex with someone in freshers week at uni so (laughs) yeah dreamy um and and he lived on my hall and then I had to live in the same hall as him for a year. Oh, and I just, cringe. I just basically, I was basically just like, I want to yeah. have sex, but I don't want it to build it up and be some like really special thing with someone I'm in love yeah. with. I just want to have sex and get it out of the way. So, and he was just a lovely guy. So we had sex and then I was trapped in a hall with him for a year. And he was like, should we do it again? And I was like, no, <laughs> no, no, thank, no, you. thank you. Uh, so 
um, yeah, so you missed out on all of that. Yeah, so we actually were both in uni at the same time. Even though he was about five years older than me, he went to uni late, but we were both at different unis in London. Um, So that was stressful on top of trying to start a a marriage. And I remember going to the girls at uni and being like, how do you get someone to have sex with you? And they're like, what? I'm like, "Like, literally how? How do you do it? Because I'm I'm throwing everything at the wall here and I can't seduce my husband. And everyone was like... Well, you just you you just like lie there. Like I'm like, no, he won't, he won't, he won't have sex with me. What do I do? And I spent about 10 months trying to like crack this egg. I remember I went to Ann Summers and I bought like ridiculous, I was crotchless this and all these kind of tasselly things. And I bought it all and I remember I put it on um and I like walked strode into the living room like yo and um nothing. He was like, mm, don't like that. And I returned it to Ann Summers and the lady at Ann Summers went, Oh, why are you returning it? I was like, Oh, my husband didn't like it, and he was like, is he mad? Are you what? And then I actually asked him, I was like, are you gay? Because, um, why don't you want to have sex with me? And he, at the time just said it cause he just had a low libido and he was busy or stressed. But I, what I didn't realize was he was, um, channeling his sexual, um, uh, force elsewhere. Not at me. So from the beginning of the marriage, was he yeah. sleeping with other people? Yeah, it was, um, it was like, so what happened was like 10 months into the marriage, I found out, I finally like worked out why he wasn't sleeping with me. And so how did how you did I find out? Yeah. Like what was that process? Cause this sounds such a stressful start to a marriage. Oh my God. <laughs> I was 19. So I, um, I watched a movie called he's just not that into you. Yeah. And, great movie. Yeah. And I remember watching, I watched it and I started crying. Like I was like, why am I crying? I don't even like, like, it's not that great. But like, I realized it was the scene where the the wife was dressing up for the husband and the husband had another woman under the desk. And it was like, if he's not having sex with you, he's like, he's not that into you. And it's what pushed me to go, I'm going to do what I really don't agree with, but I'm going to check his computer because I don't agree with like checking up on partners, um, phones and stuff. But I decided I was like, I'm going to follow my gut. I think something's telling me that I need to check this. So I did. And the minute that I went on his Facebook, um, I had women pop up being like, Hey babe. And, um, and I found all, uh, I, I, he, he deleted a lot of the inbox, but he'd forgot to delete his scent. And I could see him actively like messaging all these women trying to get, um, them to respond to him. And, and, um, it was mad. Only one woman, uh, actually went, um, aren't you married? Like, no, thanks. Like you should think about your wife. You need a bit of help. And I was like, thank you for the one woman. Yeah. Good on that woman. So what was, so what was that moment? So where, like, where are you? You're on his Facebook. Are you at, I'm at home? home? He's out at uni and I just, on and I just texted him like get home now. And he knew, um, and, and it all came out. And I, and I, and I said to him as well, I said, look, I've gone through your entire laptop. I know everything. So I need you to tell me everything. And if you leave out one thing, like that's it. Um, so I pretended I knew like way more. And so then he started telling me everything, which was nothing that I knew about. And so there's that me having to go, mm-hmm, I knew about that. Um, and yeah, so it all kind of came out. And then I did the thing, which is where if I was older and now I would have been like, no, I will not let someone disrespect me like that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would have had so much more self-respect and of myself, but I didn't have that because I was, I was so young and naive and also my self-esteem was, was so crushed. So I reacted not how I would now. And I decided to, I forgave him like that, like within probably about two days, I was like, fine, I can handle this. We're going to have therapy and we're going to work it out. Also, everyone who told me that I was too young to get married and I wouldn't be able to handle it, I wanted to prove to them that they were wrong. And so I was like, oh, I can handle this because it would be so embarrassing because everybody told me that I shouldn't get married. People in the, in the wedding dress shop were like, it was a bit of a, a Julia Roberts moment. They're like, can I help you? And you're like, oh, hi, I'm getting married. They're like, hmm, um, yeah, like the sale racks over there. And it's like, no, no, I'd like to buy like a proper dress and properly getting married and people being like, hmm. Um, so yeah, I haven't had that experience of people being you know, when you say, oh, I'm getting married and they're like, oh, congratulations. My experience was oh, I'm getting married. What? You? How old are you? Too young. Not going to last. I'm like, wow. People say that to your face. Wow. That's so crazy. So you had like prejudice before you even went into the marriage. Yeah. Random people. I used to work in a shop. And if I was, you know, chatting about getting married or anything to strangers, strangers would be telling me that I was too young and, and stuff, which... 
um, in a sense, I feel like if I hadn't gone through what I'd gone through um, with him, I, I probably still would be married. Like, because I'm, I'm that person, I, I'm really like, when you find a partner, I'm all in ride and die kind of partner. Um, and a loads of my friends who got married at 18, 19 are still married. They're all having their like 10 year anniversary. So it's not to say that when you get married at 18, 19, 20, that it won't work out. But um, because I'd had so much shit thrown at me, when when it kind of broke in the first year, I decided to stay for the, all the wrong reasons because I was like, I need to prove that I'm that I can handle this. When actually, there's nothing to prove. Yeah, and it's so interesting though when you're because I I remember in in my marriage when we were having problems. You know, you tell your friends about the problems, and they'd say you know, oh no, that, that doesn't sound good. Like you need to, I think you need to think about breaking up or you need to do this and do that. And then you sort of feel like you have to defend that person and defend your decision to have married them. And you're like, no, actually, obviously like, I'm only telling you like the bad Mm. bits and obviously like they're great as well. And, and it's that, who, who are you trying to convince? Because if you're unhappy and, and also your friends are there, hopefully to look after and support you but we all do it we're all like yeah no it's fine like you feel like you need to prove something if you ever have it where you second think about telling something to a friend then it's kind of like then I've admitted outside of my brain that there's something really wrong and I if I if I like tell this friend because I remember like sort of thinking oh maybe I shouldn't complain so much to my friends because they're just gonna wonder why I'm in this like horrible relationship but that speaks volumes like you should be wondering why yeah. But um, yeah, I think if you're if you're having to like censor what you're telling your friends about the truth of your relationship or if you're worried that they're gonna go babe I don't think you should be with that person then that's like a massive flag you should definitely listen to that and so so you were on Facebook, you confronted him, he came home, then within two days you'd forgiven him. And was there like a plan of action? Were you like, these are the things that we're going to do to make things work? Oh, yeah. So um, for me, oh, like the, just the whole experience of cheating on someone, it's it shatters the trust, which is kind of the core of the relationship. So every time he went out, went to uni, every time his phone went off, laptop went off, your your heart goes and you just get, you, you can't, as much as you want to try and like trust somebody, it just, it's gone. And to build that up again, I had to say, right, like I need you to be accountable to me and, and be accountable with your sex addiction as well. I need you to go to therapy, which he agreed to do, went once and then didn't go again. So that kind of fell apart because unless you yourself want to go to therapy, it isn't gonna work like it's just it, it can't come from someone else again flag 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 there was just flags everywhere I was just swimming through flags at the time but um uh yeah and and so we had like rules about just um I, I think I like wanted to check his phone and his computer like all passwords were that but I can't really think of how we just kind of like battled on oh god we were married so from that I found out in month 10 and we stayed married for three years. <laughs> wow. That was hell. It was hell. And still didn't get a sex life. That still didn't, because nothing got healed. So um, it, it, nothing could be healed. So I was in this incredibly lonely. Um, we were like housemates. And we became kind of, the dynamic between us came, became more like mother-son. I was just like a housemate that like cooked a lot. <laughs> and, um, and were you still checking his devices and things like that by the third yeah, year? I was still always like, I couldn't, I couldn't get to a place where I trusted um, fully, I guess. Although no, I think I did by the sort of second or third year, I think I did. But what had happened was I, I'd stopped caring. Like I wasn't in love with him and yeah, like when someone's in, when you're in love with someone, they have more power to hurt you. So I think my way of dealing it, my body was like, well, if you just don't love him, then he can't hurt you. So done. Yeah. And then I uh, finished my degree and then I decided to go to drama school. Um, and I do a one year like postgrad. So I went to drama school and drama school changed my life because they really rip you in drama school. They just like rip, they rip all of your, um, you know, how you walk, how you are. They kind of like, they call it stripping back in the first year. So they strip back who you are. And, and then you have to do loads of like method acting and, and all these games 
you have to like memory recall like really painful shit and oh um so drama school was like extra emotional for me because I had to actually start addressing all of this kind of trauma oh and on top of this as well just in a um social uh thing when I did decide to leave and I and and I I left I lost maybe 80% of my friends from that initial group because everyone was in the church and nobody knew how to handle it like they couldn't I was like the first divorcee of the group and um yeah I lost like a bunch of friends my family reacted so badly as well like my parents were livid um yeah I was kind of exiled a little bit so wow so you're at drama school being ripped apart I remember that I remember being told that one of my shoulder at drama school one of my shoulders was higher up than the other because I carried a bag on the same side so I needed to start changing the side <laughs> of my bag was carried on and literally never in my tv film and theater life since has anyone said to me anything about the level of my shoulders but at drama school oh, no. that was a big deal I got you, you have to walk and then everyone has to imitate your walk and then you get really subconscious I'm like oh my god why do I yes. walk like a kind of crane like what's going on um, like no director has ever been like in the crown julian gerald wasn't like um sam one of your shoulders is higher than the other and it's really distracting yeah. from the scene like imagine <laughs> um but it is useful at the time so you're you're being ripped apart and like built back up and it is an incredibly intense experience drama school yeah. on its own so at the same time you're breaking up with your husband and losing all of your friends so how did First of all, how was that moment that you decided, right, that's enough, I'm going to leave? And how did you break it to your parents? So in fairness to the, to the story, I'm going to tell the story like completely fairly. So this was like year three. I got to drama school and I, they, they strip you down and they make you address stuff. But also it built, it built up my confidence. I was performing. You have to have a certain level of like, ugh, to get out and perform and, and be that brave and stuff. And, and so I started to feel more myself than I had for like years and years and years. Um, yeah. So then I got to drama school and then over the course of the year in the drama school, um, I felt myself no I didn't even feel myself I just completely surprised myself but I started to have feelings for somebody in my year and it kind of completely broke my heart because I was like oh my god um I think I have feelings for someone like how can this happen like I'm not going to cheat because I hate cheating because look what's happened to me but on the other side of it I'm completely miserable and I have somebody who's not um emotionally or sexually or anything fulfilling my needs and I'm like I need to make some serious decisions here and I remember um I had this guy who he confessed to me that he was in love with me and he would be there and you know he wanted he wanted this life thing with me and um I was like oh my god I have like the the decision to make here like what do I do so then I was like, right, I know I'm going to, I'm going to, in fairness to my husband, I'm going to set up a date night and be like, yeah, we, we don't have, we haven't had any date night in like months. Let's have a date night. And in my head, I was like, if on this date, I feel that there is anything to save here, then I'm going to stay. And I remember saying, okay, Saturday, we're going to have a date night. And then he turned around and was like, oh babe, Saturday night, it's Champions League. And I was like, yeah, but it's really important to me that we have this date night because we haven't like, I was like, can't you record it or watch it in any other way? Because I really want to have this date night. And, um, and then I was like, well, you decide, would you like to want a date with me or would you like to watch Champions League? And he went, I really want to watch Champions League. <laughs> and so he had no idea that the question I was asking him was actually an ultimatum for our marriage. Like, do you want to be in this marriage with me? And he's like, isn't it funny the things we do and we don't tell them I used to I used to I was ill I remember being ill and I remember and things are going well in my marriage and I remember thinking if he brings me home flowers then he loves me and if he doesn't it's a clear sign that he doesn't love me and I'd make like these little like tests in my like just random completely irrational tests and and he didn't bring home flowers um well then you know they, some of them do some men do and I, I get very jealous I'd see other people in relationships and I'd be so I'd be like how do they have this dynamic that's what I was sold because when I was sold this marriage I was sold the whole Disney thing um it just didn't arrive <laughs> like because we had all this sexual tension before we because we didn't have sex before we got married and then for it to completely di- dissipate it was, oh there's a meme online of this raccoon that finds candy floss and the raccoon um drops it in a puddle of water and it completely disappears and this raccoon's just like what the fuck and and that i just felt like that was my marriage that was like this big thing of candy floss and i was like yay <laughs> disney wedding and then it being going like and then it disappeared in a puddle. Oh my God, this is horrible. Um, 
so then to end the story, um, I, I decided, um, that there was nothing in the marriage and I was, and I, and I left him, uh, for this other guy and, um, which isn't the right thing to do at all, but I don't think I had enough strength in myself as a, I was so a hollow shell. I didn't think I had enough strength, um, now I would be able to leave a relationship for myself and by myself. But back then at 22, I was, it was my 23rd birthday that I left. And, um, wow. Don't do things by halves. Happy birthday, me. Happy Bye. Birthday, me. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, and I, and I left and that was really hard because again, everyone around me was so horrible about it. And again, I got cast as the, um, the horrible woman who, who left someone for another man and, yeah, I got all kind of shade thrown at me. Um, I was even at a friend's wedding and I was dancing with her boyfriend. Cause she said, she was like, Oh, dance with my boyfriend. You know, we're all good mates. It's fine. So we, I was dancing with her boyfriend and then another girl came over to her and said, be careful of that one. She'll take your boyfriend. And she went, what are you talking about? She's my best friend. Like, shut up. But she told me, she was like, just so you know, that girl like does not have your back. And that was the reputation that I had around me as some sort of like home wrecker. I was like, no, I, I left my marriage. I didn't steal anyone else's. It, it, I think that's so strange and common. Like so many people have said that they've had that. Like as soon as you get divorced or separated, people suddenly assume that you want their yeah. husbands. It's like, no, 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 actually... I'm, I'm, well, I was just very happy on my own. I was like, I don't want anyone right now. I just yeah, want me. Weird, like, there's a weird kind of like divorcee, um, adulterous sort of slut thing where they kind of get all put together in a bit of a sandwich. And, I, and that was really weird. And so I went through a few years of socially, you know, being um, a gossiped about or looked down on or not being invited to stuff. And I lost a lot. There, there are friends to this day who have not texted me since they found out. Wow. And did they know what he'd done or did they only know what um, you'd see, done? This is the thing. Everyone just found out about me leaving for another guy that nobody knew the context because on the outside, we look like the perfect couple. Like to the outside world, it looked great. We looked really great. And we were like, we used to help out with like the youth and the church and stuff. So we, it, we did a great job of doing this kind of like veneer, but, um, inside the marriage was very different and that made me always go never judge a couple by what they are on social media by what they are when they're out and about at a party because you just never know when they get in the car when they get back home it could be completely different I think this idea that obviously what you don't go into a marriage thinking it's going to end in a minute because otherwise you wouldn't get married. But this idea that once you're married, you can't get out, you have to stay in no matter what is so unhealthy. And it's led to so many people being unhappy for years and years. And so, so you left and for this other guy. So how long were you with the other guy? How did that work out? So, um, well, I left, but not immediately. I, I didn't see the other guy for a whole sort of summer. I was like, look, I need to have some time alone. And also out of respect for everything. Um, uh, he, I didn't jump straight into a relationship with them, but after a few months, we, we did start seeing each other, but privately because everyone else was, was hating on me. Um, and then we were together for, um, four years. So about the same time I was married, I was with the other guy and, um, and then that kind of broke down and he left, but like, I, I'm grateful to him in the sense that like he did, he, he kind of came in. And when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market showed me oh this is how it's supposed to feel when you're in love with someone and when you're um this is how uh, also like that he also introduced me to sex <laughs> properly <laughs> because before that like nearly nothing um I'm so pleased for you and your I vagina very happy now but uh so in a way I'm like oh it was it was it was worth it. even though I didn't stay with that guy but it but it's not about that now I don't really like value um if someone's married or like, oh they've been married for 50 years I'm like great are they happy I, I celebrate like healthy relationships good relationships and it was all my journey on uh, uh toxic I just I tend to go for very toxic um sad guys <laughs> I've realized that's my sure. thing we all yeah, have a type because I'm all up here and all excitable and energy and stuff so I tend to go for quite depressive men and then I uh, one thing I did do is I when when I I left that marriage I went into therapy and I found myself there a therapist who was amazing and I had nine months of unpacking all of that um and I really I I've got to say like hats off to her she I wouldn't I wouldn't quite be I wouldn't have the confidence to do what I do now if I hadn't gone through that Mm, I think therapy is so important. So many people I've interviewed on the podcast have had counseling and therapy after their oh, divorce. I need it. And also as well, just a little happiness to the story. So we ended on not, not good terms, but I remember when I told him that I was leaving and I said, I was, I was completely honest. I said, look, I'm, I've fallen in love with someone else. And I remember sitting there before I did, and I looked at my life and I was like, I know for sure what my life will be like for the next 50 years if I stay where I am. I know what I'm going to get and I know how it's going to be. I've been here for four years. Or I could completely jump ship and I don't know what's there. But I, I thought about looking at my life and going, I never want to look back and, and, and hit those major milestones in life with houses and babies and go, oh, but what if? Just couldn't do that. So I jumped ship and I told him, I told him everything and I was really honest, which was so hard to do. But I did say I was in love with someone else. And his reaction was, of course you are. Like he knew there was part of him that knew that we, we were so dysfunctional. Like, of course, at some point you can't go, there's only so many years you can go without somebody like physically showing you, holding you. Oh, also I do this thing, which is actually a thing. I just thought I was really weird, but I wake up in the middle of the night or just before the morning when I'm half asleep, half awake. And I'm like tickling my arms. Shut up. I do that too. It's a thing. So, and I'm, and I wake up and I'm like, this is weird. And I've got my arms outstretched. I'm tickling myself. And she said, it's self-soothing. When you're in that weird space between being asleep and awake, your body can kind of trick itself that your, your touch is from someone else. 
Oh my it's, God. It's called self-soothing. And it's basically your subconscious needing more touch, needing more human interaction. So I was like, oh, that's so sad, but weird. But I'm glad that I'm not the only one that does it. That is so sad. And I definitely did that during my marriage. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I think that's where it came from. I was constantly doing this. Yeah, because you wake up with your arms in the air and you're like stroking your arm. And like my ex would be lying next to me. And I'd be like, okay, oh, this I'm is just, what I'm doing. You try and like make it into a stretch like oh I'm just stretching oh that's good yeah I've got an itch I've got an itch but yeah it's it, it I do find it weird if anyone does wake up next to me and I'm just out there just doing some weird zombie thing but do you think it's also being a performer we're quite well we tend to be quite touchy-feely people more yeah, than I... maybe some office workers so I definitely need like hugs and things like that like on a regular basis yeah coronavirus is killing me I can't hug anyone or touch anyone and I'm like well I, I live with my boyfriend now but um yeah I'm, I'm very I'm a touchy feely person especially in relationships I really I need a lot I'm like a sponge I could be hug- I could be hugged all day I could be tickled and hugged and patted all day oh you just tickle yourself I, well I do um so so you were with this other guy yeah. for four years and were you getting divorced during that time and how did how did you do it did you hire a solicitor did you do um, it yourself yeah, so we did it ourselves. um we had no assets no kids no nothing so there wasn't really anything to argue over plus we weren't in a bad place with each other like we we, we could talk and so he um filed for divorce and he filed um the reason being me and me going off someone else. And how did you feel about him filing divorce for you leaving him when he'd obviously cheated throughout I the marriage? I felt, um, I was like, can't we just both, you know, cause we've both at either ends, we've both cheated. Like we've really messed this up and like, and stuff. And, um, so I was a bit annoyed that it's gone down in history. Cause I did think, Oh, if anyone's looking up my name in like, you know, those like, um, ancestry things, they're going to be like, Oh, here it is. Johanna. Oh, she got married at 18. Oh, and she got divorced. Oh, it was her fault. She went off with another man. And I was like, that doesn't tell history. That doesn't tell the story. There was so much more to it than that. Well, I don't think it goes on public record. Record, you'll oh, be pleased to know. No. Oh, okay. So the only person, well, I was told by my solicitor, the only person who sees the reason is like the judge and the solicitor. Oh, okay. And otherwise it just says you're divorced. Um, yeah. And what was nice was um um to, to round the story up is that years later he got in contact with me. So we're not in contact anymore. We, we left it there. Um, but he got in contact with me and said, um, could I meet you for a coffee? And part of me was like, <gasps> oh, does he want to get back together? Like this is awful. Like what's going on? And I, I've had reoccurrent nightmares that um, the divorce has come back like not valid. And it's like, oh no, sorry. Actually, legally you're still married. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> um, but we met for coffee years later and um, he looked very different. Anyway, we had a coffee and he came to say that he joined um, Sex Addict Anonymous and he was on a 12-step program and he was on step number 11, which was to personally and properly apologize to anyone that your addiction had impacted. And he said that he had, it really hadn't registered how much his sex addiction and rejecting me had impacted me until he was in one of the meetings and he told the story of me dressing up for him and him rejecting me and and it was the other guys going oh you must have crushed that girl like wow and he kind of saw it from another perspective so he broke down in this coffee shop and apologized to me and I broke down and apologized to him and that was an amazing closure so I'm happy to talk about this stuff now because I was lucky enough to get a bit of closure with him and we kind of we you know we shook on it and we both agreed like nobody meant to hurt anybody else we were just two very hurt people smashing our way through and yeah so that was kind of where that ended and that was that was kind of good that's really nice to have that moment where you can both communicate with a bit of distance from the whole yeah. thing and but i mean how because I think most people have experienced some form of like rejection, you know, like even in a long-term relationship when I know I have, like when you're with your partner and you're like feeling a bit sexy and you're like trying to start the mood yeah. and they're like, no, I'm tired. And and especially when you've been with someone for a long time, they don't like let you down gently. They're just like, like no. no and yeah. roll over. <laughs> and 
Um, but if you are in a place where you have low self-esteem at that time or for whatever reason, or like I have anxiety, like it can really affect you in, in quite a big way, that sort of rejection from someone so close to you. And obviously you had it for the whole of your marriage. Do you think that's affected your um, intimacy with future and current partners? Oh, yeah. Like I, I still, I massively overreact if I get rejected now. So if that, you know, if situation happens, well, I'm like, what about? And they're like, nah, tired, bloated. And I'm like, <gasps> like, I, I know, I can feel when I'm overreacting um, to that scenario. And it's put me off like hitting on people just for that huge fear of like, oh, I'm going to get rejected. And, and yeah, but not, not so much anymore now, but I've seen like before it was so bad. I, I, even like the way that dressing in a certain way, like I remember my friend, we were in a shop and she was like, you have to try on this like tight leather dress. You have to try it on. It would look amazing on you. And I put it on and I st- my palms started to sweat. I started to feel so uncomfortable because I, I had some sort of block that was going on between feeling sexy and looking sexy and being... F- I was almost scared to look sexy because I was scared to get rejected. So I was like, it's easier if I just wear a massive baggy jumper and be really silly. If I'm silly, then I can't fail at being sexy. It was like a weird thing. And so I've learned now years later, like I can actually wear tight clothes and be like, yeah. I'm going to be sexy for me. And like that, I, I, the difference now between me and like 24 year old me, it's, it's huge. And my friends have noticed as well. Cause they're like, you're wearing something tight. And I'm like, I know. Oh, I love that. Like realization. Cause I remember like, cause a lot of the time at the end of your marriage, for whatever reason, you're not having sex anymore because yeah. <laughs> things aren't working, you know, obviously not for everyone, but if things aren't working, you're not communicating. You just don't want to, you're not in love, like whatever reason. Um, and I remember then becoming single and people wanted to have sex with me like lots of people because you know people in bars sometimes go there to find someone to have sex with and I was like oh my god there's a real there's a variety of people who would have sex with me right now and it was such a like lovely self-affirming like obviously you should find um confidence in yourself not in other people wanting to have sex with you but at that moment I was like this is incredible and it just like opened my eyes and made me find my sexy again which I think is so important in a breakup I don't know it's weird now because in our society there's on the one side you've got like the pro like own your sexuality be empowered and then you still have this like opposing like oh no you've got to be prim and proper and don't be slutty and then on the other side being like release your inner slut and you're like half nun half slut over here like having a little bit of a fight (laughs) I'm a slutty nun yeah I don't know what to do um I'm a big fan of the guilty feminist podcast and Deborah Francis White says I'm a feminist but and I think that sex feminism relationship is so interesting because I'm like I like sex and and definitely since I uh have separated from my ex and I'm getting divorced. I've been much more, and also I hosted Magic Mike Live. I've, I've been much more open about, I like sex and that's okay. And I can have sex with people, consenting people, and we have a nice time. And um, I think before I would have like shied away from saying that. And I used to talk when I first started stand up, I used to talk about sex on stage and um, lots of male comedy promoters said to me oh you're shocking aren't you that's your thing you shock people and to me I wasn't saying anything shocking I was just talking about like something most people do and now I'm you know I did I am very much of the sex is great everyone should be orgasming and it can get a bit of backlash like I did say I like a wanking video which is true I'm sorry it's true I prefer (laughs) it to a photo it's too static yeah. Um, I'm all about, I'm, you know, I'm a film and TV actor. I like a video. What a moving so, Yeah, I, a 3D option. So I said I like a wanking video on a podcast. And then obviously I just got loads of messages saying, shall I send you a wanking video or you're a slut on uh, social media? But I think it's really, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing. But I just think, you know, we do shy away from talking about the sex stuff and and, and the divorce stuff. Yeah. That's why I decided this podcast. But also I think sex is a big part of getting divorced and becoming single and having sex with people that you haven't had sex with before. And um, So do you, if... Uh, 
obviously you were the first person of your peer group to get divorced and, and you said and things like yeah. that. And if one of your friends was getting divorced now and asked you for like your top bit of advice, what would you say? Ooh. I think, well, I would just say step back from it. The fighting over these little things, look at the bigger picture. Like, is it worth it? Who is it affecting around you? Um, we were really lucky because we had nobody immediately, like we didn't have kids and things like that. So obviously there were parents and things that were upset, but not in the same way a kid would be. So just really for anyone who is going through a divorce, just slightly take a step back. Like, is it worth the effort? And throwing stones at this point, it just isn't worth it. So if you can, if you can try and walk out of a divorce with like, bit of head held high bit of um I know it's hard because some people are like seriously in pain but you're going to look back at this time completely look at it completely differently I like that and um I just final couple of questions and things I'm going through right now and I wanted to get your take so I have a king size bed Mm. and obviously my partner was sleeping in it with me for eight years and now I'm on my own in it. So I use the other side of the bed as storage and I have like my laptop and some books and I have knitting on there at the moment. What do you, when you were single, what did you use the other side of Gosh. your bed for? Um, guests. <laughs> <laughs> but like, do you have like, did you have like the other pillow there, like ready for a guest? Because um, yeah, I don't. No, I always had um, I, like a, a lot of, cu- I'm a cushion person. So I've always got about 60 bazillion cushions on my bed. Um, and yeah, like, I guess if it's up against a wall, it tends to be all cushions because then I'll turn it into more of like a sofa seat laptop. Yeah, I guess I just have phone and laptop and probably some snacks. And, um, (laughs) but, but more often than not, I I found that I really had a problem sleeping alone. That was something again, I had to really like work out how to sleep alone. So I, I always was trying to like stay with friends or have people over or always trying to date someone. I did go for a period where I was like, I have to date someone because I've never been on my own since I was 14. So, ah." um, yeah, so I haven't really had a, a bed that was like fully, I've been able to fully make into a little wonderland. That's your one. Yeah, well, I would recommend it if you ever get the if your if your boyfriend goes away get on the a holiday. Out. I'd be scared with the knitting needle though, because I'm a regular. So who knows where that's gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> well, mine are wooden, so I don't think they'd be able to stab you, it'd be fine. Um and I'm also currently decorating my house. So I used to live here with my ex, but now I'm making it mm. my own. And I've like painted the kitchen pink and I've like bought things that I love but I know that he'd hate. Is there, do you remember like a time of like buying something that you were like, my ex would hate this, but I love it. Or like decorating a space just for you. Yes, I do. Um, I, yeah, I remember, or just buying things. So um, obviously when you're married, we, we did the thing straight away where we had a shared account because we were like, we're going to share everything. So we had a shared account, but then we kind of started to butt head against finances. We were very poor. We were both students and he was of an extreme savers mentality um, where I realized that I, how I deal with like anxiety and stress is I like to shop. I don't go mad with it, but it's little things that just help me process. So the things like I don't like takeaways because I find that a bit of a waste of money just because I didn't value I didn't value that amount of money. 17 pounds on a pizza. I'm like, that's a MAC lipstick. Um, so <laughs> we always kind of butted head on that. So I remember like being able to shop for the first time and not have anybody like check my credit card or like not being able to act. It was my account and, and nobody was going to tell me off because I wasn't accountable to anyone else. So just being able to like buy, buy things and yeah, choose my own, like actually choose my own whatever I want. It's so empowering. Like, um, especially if you don't do that before you marry someone. So like I I went straight from my mum's house to my marriaged house, marital (laughs) Marital home. home. There we are. Otherwise known as a marriaged house. And yeah, yeah, I just went straight from my mum to that. And I guess I didn't have that time where I, I was like, you know, who am I? What do I like? It was just like what my parents liked and then what me and someone else like. So now I'm really grateful I've had time to go like, I really like this. Yeah. I'm getting really into like flocked candelabras, which is when they look a bit velvety. That's my current obsession. Um, also, did you, I, I really at the moment I'm celebrating like small achievements. Like I mowed the lawn for the first time in the last couple of months in my wow. whole life. Yeah. Because I'd never mown the lawn and my ex used to do it. Do you remember a moment where you did something 
that you would have got your ex-husband to do, but then you did it for yourself. Oh, yeah. So he came from a family of builders, which meant that like everything had to be done properly. And obviously everything was built really well. And then I had to like learn how to put shelves up and stuff. And I'm one of those people that like, I don't read the IKEA instructions. I'm just like, we'll work it out. It'll be fine. It'll miss a few pins, but it'll be fine. And yeah, having to like work out how to put shelves up and like learn all that now. It's amazing because now I'm coming into relationships being all like, well, I'll bring my toolkit and um, I'm pretty savvy with, with putting things up. And yeah, it's always wonky, but I'm kind of proud of that because I'm not being, um, I haven't got a proper builder over my shoulder being like, well, you didn't use a leveler, did you? <laughs> no. Yeah. But you're like, but I, did I did that, that. myself. I have my own um, pink screwdriver. Well yeah. Like I'm, I'm so proud of the fact that I own a full toolkit and an electric drill and my boyfriend doesn't own a screw. <laughs> oh, well, I need some shelves putting up. So if you could come around and do that, that'd will. be great. I will. I mean, they'll be, they will be <laughs> not level, but they'll be up. That's fine. I'll just put things on them that are wonky anyway. Exactly. No it's, all, it's all objective and subjective. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much. It's been thank brilliant. Thank you for having me. It's nice to, it's just lovely to chat, especially in this time. You don't yeah. see many faces. <laughs> We need to have conversations. Um, where can people find out more about you? Oh, I'm, I'm everywhere on the internet um, at Johanna James, just my name, J.A. Hannah James. Dreaming. Well, thank you so thank much. Thank you. And welcome to the oh, Divorce I'm Club. I'm in. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, it would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, but also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.